and that then Jesus in the New Testament is um, sort of um, the fix for this God of the Old Testament who's vengeful and wrathful. Um, and I, that's just really, first of all, it's heresy. <laughs> first of all, sorry, okay, no, I'm not gonna say that. You can say that. First of all, no, I'm not gonna do Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the Minister of Formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church in San Diego. And I'm Charlotte Kessler, the Youth Missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And I'm Mary Lane Colson, the Rector at St. Andrews by the Sea in Pacific Beach. And we're in a tiny hotel room in Atlanta. <laughs> We are here at the Rooted in Jesus Conference, a big Episcopal conference that's bringing together a whole bunch of different uh, tracks of Episcopal voices and church voices from around the Episcopal church, talking about mission and evangelism and formation and discipleship and just all the things. So um, we have the great honor of having Marilyn Colson be our guest today. Um, and we have had Mary Lynn on the podcast before, so we know uh, a little bit about her ministry context. So I thought maybe we could each take just a second and uh, check in uh, and say something about the conference or our experience of the conference. We could say where we saw God this week. We could say some like major takeaway that we have from our time these last few days here uh, or something like that. So does anybody have something burning off the top of their head? I think for me, I've just been re-inspired and um, sort of refocused on the question of what are we doing when we go to church? What are we doing when we go to church? And I think that's something that we don't always ask. Um, but what we're really doing is we're um, coming together to grow as disciples of Jesus. And we're coming together to grow deeper in our own um, relationship with God and Christ and um and just as a pastor of a community, it's helpful for me to be inspired about that again and and have some more resources to encourage people in that. And um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I have to say that for me, I love the opportunity to see everyone making time for learning in community, but recognizing the fact that for each of us, that means that there's a lot of juggling going on. So I see God in recording Faith to Go in a tiny hotel room so that we can keep this commitment and be here for a learning experience. Mm. I see it in rectors that I see navigating preparation for annual meeting in between um, different events that they're going to and pastoral care that's happening even while we're here mm. and the opportunity to meet and greet and see each other exactly the way we are and the variety of contexts that are represented in that. Yeah, and uh, we we got the opportunity to hear William Barber speak, and his whole he talked for an hour, and it was incredible. And he's the leader of the Poor People's Campaign, and has been for a long time. And uh, I think one thing that that he said that kind of has been a theme in the whole conference is, I mean, I think one thing is that we're just constantly being called in this time in any really any church that you're in to move out of our comfort zones to try new things, to try things that make us uncomfortable, but that are always 
I think in a good way, making us uncomfortable because we're getting closer and closer to relationship, like authentic relationship with one another and with God. And I think that um, another thing is that we, I, what I heard a lot was like this call to increasing our, our, our emphasis on spiritual, on being in, intentional about spiritual growth mm-hmm. and that how that starts, can start really small. It doesn't have to be like this giant program mm-hmm. that the that everyone in a particular congregation takes part in but that it can be a small number of people just like Jesus talks about like the yeast in a big thing of dough that's like a small thing that ends up making the whole affecting the whole uh way beyond its its tiny volume itself but that then that spiritual growth has to translate into actions something in the world that we're not just this little spiritual growth school to be with one another spiritually, but that we are called to then go out into the world and do things. I think we all know that. I think it's pretty clear that that's what Jesus was telling his disciples to do. But I don't know if we always think about those things being tied together. We think that sometimes people are good at going out. Sometimes people are good at being spiritual, but that we're all kind of called to both of those things, that they need to feed one another. And it's the same thing that Richard Rohr has been saying in just having the center for action and contemplation. It's like, those things should should kind of be this circle that is ongoing that feed one another. So, okay, so we are in the uh, third week after Epiphany. Uh, our gospel today, this week, is from Matthew. Um, but before we get to it, we want to make sure you all know that we want to hear from you. Uh, you can send any of your questions, comments, or stories from your week of faith discussion or reflection. Or your stories of evangelism or sharing your faith with other people. Uh, you can email us at faith2go at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website where you can also find all the faith2go resources, uh, myfaith2go.org. And you can also uh, contact us through Instagram at faith2go. So uh, we're going to get to the gospel. Um, Charlotte <laughs> is going to read the gospel, and then we're each going to take a few minutes to highlight one point. Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 23. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun of Naphtali, so that when he had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. Okay, so we are back in the uh, book of Matthew. 
if this is Matthew's year in lectionary year A. And we are in the fourth chapter of Matthew, and so the really the very beginning of uh, Jesus's ministry. And so we're hearing him call some disciples today, uh, which is really cool. So um, we don't need to do a whole lot of context. So uh, Mary Lynn has the first point for this week. So I want to talk a little bit about the quote in this section, which actually comes from the book of Isaiah which is one of the prophets, one of the major prophets in the Hebrew scriptures. And um, the book of Matthew, of the, you know, of the gospels, each of the gospels is different and has a different focus and an audience that, that that person is writing for. And, and Matthew, the writer of Matthew, is really focused on um, talking about like the Jewishness of Jesus and um, emphasizing how Jesus is the, the Messiah of the, of the Israelites, this long-awaited Messiah. And so often um, that author quotes the Hebrew scriptures, which would, you know, to Jesus and his disciples just be the scriptures that they would know and memorize and learn. And so this part where they are talking about, you know, Zebulun and Naphtali, um, I think is this, is, is actually um, that quote that they're talking about in Matthew is the Old Testament reading for today um, in church. Um, it's Isaiah 9, 1 through 4. And so I encourage you to go read that. And um, just that, I think, helps us understand sort of, you know, all this, all these claims about Jesus come from somewhere. They're rooted in this mm-hmm. ancient tradition and ancient in this community of people who've been seeking, seeking God's voice and God's favor, you know, for all for um, for generations. Um and one thing I really encounter a lot as people are seeking to sort of understand the Bible um, is that there's this idea that the God of the Old Testament is really wrathful and vengeful and, um, you know, curses nations and, and kills people and it, or orders the Israelites to go kill people. <clears throat> and that then Jesus in the New Testament is um, sort of um, the fix for this God of the Old Testament who's vengeful and wrathful um and i that's just really first of all that's heresy (laughs) because um we really we have this belief that god doesn't you know that god is constant (laughs) so to say that god that god changes from from the old testament to the new testament is is a really is not really in line with what we believe as christians about god um and it also misses, I think, the point that Jesus is Jewish. <laughs> and Jesus is like this deeply, um, you know, from the beginning of his life, his, he's in this Jewish family that's really faithful to the, to the law and to the commandments. And, um, and, and so, anyway, to, to um, sort of, I feel like there's um, a hesitancy for pe- of people that I meet to read the Hebrew scriptures or, or the Old Testament, as we call it, because there's this sort of dismissal of like, oh, well, the God of the Old Testament is mean, and then Jesus came and fixed it all. And I just think this is an invitation. Every time that the gospel quotes something from the Hebrew scriptures and that are, I mean, you know, we have a, re- a reading from the Old Testament every week. <laughs> there's always this invitation, I think, to go deeper into scripture and sort of set that um, aside, set that aside and say, this is, um, you know, just this quote from Isaiah is this prophet who's, who's saying... Um, and you should go read it, but he's saying, um, in the former times, God brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter times, 
God will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan. So that, you know, it's, it doesn't take Jesus reclaiming this idea. You know, it, it's not Jesus who throws wide the circle and says, actually, it's not just the Israelites. It's everyone who's in the covenant with God. It's in the Old Testament. It's embedded in the Hebrew scriptures that the God of of the Israelites is really trying to show them that I'm not just the God for you. I'm I'm bringing light to all nations beyond the Jordan, beyond the sea, you know, farther out than you think. And these, these nations that you despise, you know, those are the nations that are blessed. So to me, this is an opportunity to kind of re-examine um, that sort of dichotomy that we often have of the God of the Old Testament versus the God of the New Testament and really just put that in the trash because it's incorrect and it keeps us from this deep understanding or this openness to seeing the Hebrew scriptures, um, to seeing the mercy and justice uh, and radical welcome of the God of the Hebrew scriptures. Yeah, and I would I would agree with that, and I also would include in that that there's a reason why there are two testaments, right? That we don't get to have the New Testament right. without the Old Testament. Yeah. They go together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, speaking of transitions, uh, <laughs> I have point number two today, and I want to take my point today a little bit in relationship with the conversation that we had last week um, with Reverend Laura Sheridan Campbell. And in our conversation last week, we talked a lot about come and see because that was in last week's scripture. And what does that mean and what are we called to through come and see? Well, then this week when we get to Matthew, the language changes from come and see to follow me. Um, and he, people are dropping their nets and following Jesus. And, and so it's this progression. But then in this gospel, we hear very concisely, maybe even a hurry up place. Like it's like, follow me right now, right? Like drop what you're doing, people. We got to go follow me. And for us as Christians in, in our current context, that hurry up mode, that idea of dropping everything to follow Jesus can seem almost overwhelming, right? That life is so full and we have so many things going on that to drop our nets and go running after Jesus doesn't seem exactly practical. And in addition to that, what does following Jesus really mean? It means doing the hard things and having the hard conversations. And that's something that we have experienced a tremendous amount while we've been here in Atlanta. Um, We talked earlier about places that we had seen God this week and experiences of here. But one of the things that I would really like to name that I've seen this week is truth-telling, calling things what they are, um, but calling them what they are from a place of love and with an intent to move forward. And I think that that's so much of what we're called to in following Jesus, right? That we have to actually be willing to name it what it is. And that means all of the struggle and all of the strife and all of the challenges that we face in following Jesus and then doing it anyway. So naming that it's hard and choosing to follow and recognizing the fact, the other thing that we're naming this week in this Rooted in Jesus conference is that we're never done. We've never got it exactly right. We've never figured it all out. We're never done learning. We're never done being disciples that we are constantly called to an ever evolving sense of following. Yeah. And I think that, I think that goes into my point because the thing that I wanted to highlight was this 
very last uh, sentence, this last verse in this gospel, when it talks about after all of this has happened, the calling of these disciples, these first disciples, what Jesus does. And it says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. And I think that it is a such a, a beautiful, concise way of showing us what we're being called to do and how we're called to uh, follow Jesus. Um, so I think that, but, but I think that our challenge is in one of these three things in particular, because at least um, on, the, on the whole maybe, or at least I could say for those, for me, I've experienced that we are um, most often very interested in, in, in teaching and in learning about theology and scripture and the kind of principles and orthodoxy of the church. We want to learn more about Jesus and about God, and that's really good. And Jesus was teaching all the time. He, and then we are also very interested and put a lot of emphasis on healing. And that can take, that, that looks like, I think, spiritual growth. I think it looks like pastoral care a lot of the time. I think it looks like these kind of mercy ministries that we have, these outreach ministries that we have about serving people, feeding people, clothing people, going out and trying to fill the needs of, of people. The thing that I think we are called to do more, at especially people with privilege and power, is to do this third thing, which is proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of heaven. and. And this part is hard because it's about justice. It's about doing the work to change the systems so that the healing ministries become less important. Mm. Because if we were really doing the work that Jesus started, if we were really doing the work of justice, if we were really doing, per, if we had a vision, the same vision that Jesus had of the kingdom of heaven and we're working towards that vision, there, there would be, we, the, our, our ministries of outreach would become obsolete because people wouldn't, we wouldn't need to figure out ways of clothing people and giving people food because everybody would have what they needed. Because Jesus's vision of the kingdom of heaven was one of infinite equality where there were resources for everybody and everybody had exactly what they needed. So I think that we kind of get stuck in the teaching and the healing thing in the in the like formation and outreach and we forget our call and Jesus's main work of proclaiming what he calls the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom or the reign of God but a like total shift in the structures of the world towards something more equitable and just and so and the thing is that we have to have a vision for what that is before we can do the work of it. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus is always proclaiming the good news of this kingdom of heaven. And who's he proclaiming it to? He's proclaiming it to the poor people, the people who are being oppressed by those very systems. And so if I think that we have to keep remembering that Learning is really important. Doing those that outreach is really important. But getting angry about why we have to do the outreach in order to drive us to change the systems that cause us to need to do the outreach is the third thing. It's like the next step that is hard for people 
in positions of power and privilege because very often we are benefiting from those systems, mm. either directly or indirectly, consciously or unconsciously. And, but our call to Jesus, to following Jesus, is a greater call than the one to our own comfort. So uh, I think it would be great if we kind of like took a second to think about what Jesus really, really like did on the ground, what that looked like. And it was proclaiming some radical shift in the power structures to people who were hurting. So that is, uh, that is three points uh, for this week in our tiny hotel room. In our tiny hotel room. Yelling into the bottom of the laptop <laughs> because we don't have any of our microphones. <laughs> um, Before but... we've had any food or coffee. Oh, I had food and coffee. Yeah, we're not oh. as prepared as Charlie. No. no one is. Um, so uh, to summarize, uh, point number one was Mary Lynn's, and it was about um, this, the, the, the idea that we can't break apart the say that there's a different God in the Old Testament and a different God in the New Testament, that this love and mercy and justice of God spans the entire Hebrew scriptures, that that is the through line, the, the perennial truth of everything, that God is always working for justice for the oppressed. Um, number two was Charlotte's, and it was about following up on last week's discussion with uh, Reverend Laura Sheridan Campbell about the, what comes after come and see, and it is following Jesus and all of the things that, that go with that work of discipleship. And then the third point was mine that was following up on that and what exactly that discipleship looks like, and Jesus kind of lays out this threefold way of talking about discipleship as teaching and learning as doing those works of outreach and mercy and then about being very intentional about changing the systems of the world for more liberation and freedom and equality so having heard that discussion charlotte is going to read the gospel one more time and see if you hear anything different this time through matthew chapter 4 verses 12 through 23 when jesus heard that john had been arrested he withdrew to galilee he left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From the time that Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. Okay, thank you everybody for tuning in this week to the Faith to Go podcast, the week of January 26th, 2020. It is the uh, third Sunday after Epiphany. 
We hope you have some great conversations uh, this week. Make sure to go check out all those Faith to Go resources at www.myfaithtogo.org. Make sure to send us your um, comments or questions or stories of faith discussion or reflection or evangelism, sharing your faith with other people. Uh, You can send those to faithtogo at edsd.org. You can contact us through the website or you can send them direct messages on uh, Instagram at faithtogo. Uh, we thank you for tuning in. Make sure to go uh, rate and review this podcast to help other people find it. Share it with a friend. And until next week, we say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Goodbye, Atlanta.